Hey. Well, we are talking about your treasure today and whether or not you store it up, what that kind of looks like for you in your life. We're going to be all over that topic here for a couple minutes. And uh, just before we get going, can we just admit, we are a strange breed of people, aren't we? <laughs> we like to gather and stuff things away. And uh, reminds me, we, we have one of our children that's like that. I won't uh, say her name, but she's our middle one. But I won't, I won't tell you who she is. She, uh, she saves everything, doesn't she? The other day, she uh, was eating a popsicle. or No, it was a uh, it was lollipop. And, uh, and she saved this stick, and she put it on the counter. And we're like, throwing this away. And she, be, and she came in tears. She goes, but I will never remember the time when we were at the bank as a family in unity. And I got this popsicle sucker thing from the teller, and I ate it. And it's such a good memory. We're like, here. You know, I don't want to break your heart. Sorry. She squirrels everything away. She keeps it all. Anybody like that? Total squirrel? <laughs> you wouldn't admit it, would you? You're like, I'm going to raise my hand. You might call on me, right? You wouldn't admit that. But we are a strange breed. We love to accumulate things and stuff it into places and nooks and crannies. And, and we call it organizing and maximizing. But when you stuff it in there, and, and when, do you, when does this come back to bite you? When you move, right? <laughs> right? When you move. So our house is up for sale. We're trying to sell our house. We're just going to, we're going to attempt to do this. I don't know if it's going to work, but we're attempting to do this. And we went through all of our, our, our things and I had to go through my whole entire closet. Nightmare. Nightmare. I was whimpering. There's all kinds of stuff in there. We're like squirrels and pack rats and there's more junk and more stuff. And, and I was even thinking when we're cleaning up our house, I'm like, we should move once a year. Like really, just to cut down on all the junk. And, 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 but there would be stickers on everything. Anybody have that problem? Everything you flip over has a sticker on it when you move too much. And that's kind of, uh, we still, like 10 years later, are still finding, finding stickers. But, but when you accumulate and when you cut down on the stuff, you start to find out what you value, don't you? Right? When you start cutting down on the stuff, when you start kind of sifting through all the piles of junk, you start to figure out what you value, right? So if your house was on fire, God forbid, your house was on fire, what would you grab first? Anybody? Would you, what would you grab? Toys, <laughs> right? Kids, kids. Maybe your wife first. I don't know. She's lived a good life. Get the kids, right? Get the, get the kids, get the wife, get the spouse, uh, leave the cat, yeah, or whatever, get the fish, whatever, whatever, you know. And, and if it's a good pet, grab the good pet. What else would you grab? Anybody? Pictures, exactly. Exactly. I was thinking about this this morning. This is what I would grab right here. This is what I would grab right here. Yeah. This holds like 15,000 pictures. All my pictures are on here for our whole entire life. Everything that we can go back and see. Not only that, but all the financial history, all, all, uh, all, all our taxes. Yeah, that's not, I guess that's not important. But all our, 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 um, what, what is it? our will is on here. Every important document that we have is on here. I would definitely grab this really quickly if there was a fire. And you start to ask yourself, especially in times like that, is what is the most important thing in your life? What do you invest in? Do you guys hear that? I hear music. Lamb, I hear music going. It's great sermon background music. Fairly good. What do you invest your life in? What's the most important thing to you? Take the kids, take your wife, take the hard drive, whatever it is. But uh, it's in times like that you start, start to figure out what, what you actually live for. And that is exactly why we're, we're in this series right now, Change Your World. Because we're asking the tough questions of what do you value? What do you invest in? You know, we came into this world, the Bible tells us, with nothing, right? We didn't come in with anything, and we're going to be leaving this world. We're going to be going home someday, living here, leaving here with nothing. 
We come in with nothing. We leave here with nothing. But as a church, as K2, man, with every fiber of my being, I need to tell you this, there is investments to be made this side of heaven. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Because if you and I are willing to make these investments today, and again, I told you early on, four, four great tips on investing strategy that Jesus is going to give us in this passage here. If we're willing to do that, the potential for changing the world. Let's scale that down for a second. The potential for changing the Salt Lake Valley. The potential for changing your neighborhood, your school, your workplace, your family, your marriage, your relationships, this church, this street. The potential to change your world. If you and I would invest our lives is off the chart. Off the chart. You can't even begin to measure it, folks. The amount of return on that type of investment. So we have a lot of ground to cover. Grab your notes, grab your pen. I'm going to give you some key words. And again, I want to kind of hike the football to you this week. And, and, and you run with the football. You take this football Monday through Saturday and you run with it and you check it and, uh, and have this conversation with God. So make sure to write down a couple notes here so you can uh, jog your memory later on. We are in Matthew chapter 6. And this passage that we're in is really the Sermon on the Mount. This is uh, Jesus' great sermon where he was surrounded by a bunch of people. And he said, listen, I got I some really important things to tell you. And we've covered a lot of those in the last couple of weeks. And we're going to pick it up here in verse 19. And here's what he says. Jesus says, do not store up. Do not store up. That little word there, store up, that little phrase is the root word of treasure. Store up and treasure have the same root word. So you can almost read that, don't treasure your treasures. Jesus says, don't treasure your treasures. He goes on, here on earth, where moth and rust destroy but, and, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? We're going to come back and visit that in just a few moments here. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and man. There's an investing principle that we're going to get to there in a second, but we've got to dial it back up to verse, verse 20, uh, verse 19. He starts off, he says, don't store up your treasures where? Where does he say it? Don't store them up where? On earth, right? Here's your first investing principle, right, from Jesus. You want some great strategy on return on your investment, write down the keyword transient. Just write down the keyword transient. And here's the investing strategy. Jesus is saying, don't invest in the transient. Another way to say that is don't invest in the temporary or kind of the short-lived. Try to do that. Now, don't, give it, don't get it wrong here. Jesus is not anti-money. He's not anti-stuff. He's not flushing all that stuff. What he is saying here is honest communication to how you and I were, were made, how he made this universe. And, and, and what I mean by that is, is everything that you and I possess... Everything that you and I are currently chasing in the end ends up in a, in a landfill. That's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Don't store up those type of things. Anything that you might love, that you possess, that you're chasing, anything you might polish or whether you name it or not, like my precious or whatever it is that you do with your stuff, ends up in the very, very end, whether or not you put it on the gentle cycle or dry it on low, all ends up in the landfill. It does. 
It's gone. It's in the, it's, it's junk. Is that really sobering to anybody? <laughs> we know that. Many of you have read this passage like, I know that, right? I've read this many, many times. But when you stop and you think about that, you're like, <laughs> okay, wow, that's lame. But it's the truth. It, it's all gone. I want you to think about your prized possession. What is that? Get in mind. Get in right now. Your prized possession. The thing that you have worked for, that, that you have really, really, like you just, you walk into the room, you see this prized possession, possession you're like, oh, a plasma TV. Thank God for technology, right? Or that, that car or, or that beautiful work of art like, like dogs playing poker, right? You walk into the room and you're just like, nothing warms your heart more than that. You think about these things. And I want you to repeat after me, landfill. Say it, landfill. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't invest in the transient, the things that are here today and gone tomorrow. He says rust will break in and rust it out. It amazes me. I have this great bird shotgun, right, that I like to go out and shoot trap. And every single time I pull it out, it doesn't even matter if I oil it. Every single time I pull it out, there's like rust on it. I'm like, where did this come from? It really bothers me. Rust comes in. You look on the edges of your car, you're like, that was not there yesterday. And, and suddenly it appears. Rust comes in and rusts. And then he says, and there are even weird animals that will eat up your stuff. <laughs> Moths, apparently, will eat up this rust that comes. It's destroyed. Jesus is saying, listen, you can get the stuff you want, but, but it's going to disappear. It's going to be consumed by this world. It's not going to last. Do you remember your first car? <sighs> Think back. Do you remember your car? It was good. How much did you love that first car? I mean, you, you just have fond memories of your, your first car, don't you? Not really your fourth. You're like, fourth. Ah, oh, gosh. Yep. But your first, your first car. You know what my first car was? 1981 Toyota Corolla hatchback. Check it out. <laughs> Shut your mouth. I cannot believe you're laughing. That was my first car. It's like you're laughing at my children, right? This car, when I first got it, I mean, seriously, my dad bought this and he brought it home. And I was like, oh, you know, and doves released in flocks of birds. It was beautiful. They had banners in their beaks that said, hatchback. You know, it was gorgeous. Love this car. But after a while, this car, we didn't know this, but it, it became a problem. The first problem with the car was it got hit while I was driving it, and uh, a fender just totally fell off. It just was laying there. I did, I, it was carnage in the road. I didn't know what to do, so I threw it in the trunk. And uh, I, found a, I found a fender later, but you know, I was still in high school, and I thought the fender looked better on the wall of my room than on the car, so that's where I kept it. And so then, then the car started to rattle to death. Is anybody just really bothered by rattles? Yeah, I'm like, I'm like a hunting dog in the car when rattles. I'm like, kids, shh. It happens at 37.5 miles an hour. Please keep the speedometer there, right? I'm kind of very, very weird about it. I probably need counseling, but I carry foam tape with me. I'll be underneath the dash kind of pushing it up in there. This whole car was foam taped. Every, every answer, <laughs> it, just, it didn't work, but it felt you could actually have a conversation. That was not the biggest problem with the car. The, the biggest problem with the car is that the passenger door stopped working. And so I had to bungee the door to the gear shift and with a big long bungee cord, which was actually not super impressive when I met this lady here because I walked around to open up the door for her. I'm like, boom, I'm like, got it. So I had to go around, release the bungee cord. She came in. I'm like, you don't even need a seat belt. Just take that bungee cord, just you know, wrap it over. 
But the number one biggest problem with this car was the fact that I had to carry my mountain bike in the back. And that was really hard to explain to Beth, right? Because it would break down randomly. And I had to get to work. I just abandoned. Just leave it. Just go. You're going to be late. And it's always better being late when... Did you see the dashboard, by the way? Did you see the sticker in the middle? Unleaded fuel. Oh, not regular. Unleaded. It was, a, it was, it was kind of a newer car. And, and soon, sooner, this... this <laughs> everything, right? Sooner or later, this car, though, just... It was not the bomb. Any, well, it kind of was. But it wasn't like the best car anymore. You know, you, you drive to school, it would backfire. Kids would just run into bushes for cover. It was not like a girl magnet, right? Bungee everything together, foam pieces everywhere. Um, but it was mine. It was my car. And I'm so fond of that car, even to this day. And I'm, I'm actually sad. Many of you would agree with this. I'm sad that I don't even have the car. I would totally fix it up, you know, and keep it. It's your first car ever. But here's the thing about that car. At one time in that car's life, it was awesome. Somebody actually bought that car and drove it off the, off the lot going, oh yeah, hatchback, I'm in the Corolla. People actually did that. N- not when I owned it, but people at one time owned that car and they were like, what's up? Look at the car, right? But as time went on, it degraded and degraded. And everything that we have here is on its way to a landfill, on its way to a junk, junkyard. So Jesus says, do not, do not put your investment in the things that are temporary, that are transient, here today and totally gone tomorrow. Some random animal's gonna eat it, it's gonna rust, it's gonna be stolen. Don't do that. In fact, the scripture is totally saturated with this idea. It says, just not things, but be careful not to put your investment in yourself either. The scripture says that, and it's not on the screen, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, listen, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed. This whole idea that our bodies are even wasting away, right? Day by day by day, by day, our, our bodies are just breaking down. If you're under 30, God bless you, you don't understand this. But if you're over 30, and some of you are like, yeah, gotcha, right with you, your body is breaking down day by day. I'm, I'm, I'm turning, I cannot believe this, I'm turning 36 in, 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 in um, how many days? Five days. I'm registered at REI, Costco, and uh, just kidding. But in five days, I'm turning 36, and I'm already starting to feel things in my body kind of break down, right? You know what I'm talking about. You take a drink, and you're like, I just snapped a ligament. Things are just not working. I wasn't even working out. It was not even stressful. It was a small eight ounce, right? Our bodies are breaking down. Our stuff is breaking down. Jesus says, don't bake on that. Here's the second piece of financial investment strategy, strategy that Jesus gives. And uh, if you want to write down a key word for the second one, just write down the word heart. And here it is. It's found in uh, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, he says here in 21, there your heart will be also. Second investment strategy is this. Jesus says, examine your heart portfolio. Don't invest in things that are transient in your life, here today, gone tomorrow, but also examine the portfolio of your heart. When you look in, into that portfolio of your life and your soul, you start to understand the things that are important to you. I guess another way to say this is to ask the question, what are you banking on? What are the things that you're banking on in your heart? Because the reality is that everybody... Everybody in this room is banking on something. 
We all are. We're banking on it. We're investing our life on something. So what is that for you? I, I know people whose whole entire lives, they're banking on their, their future, you know, that next job promotion, whatever they're going to get. And you hear them say things like, man, as soon as I get that promotion, then life is going to be great from there on out. Or there's other people that bank on, on their children, right, on their kids. And, 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 and maybe they say, oh, my life hasn't turned out the way I've wanted it to, so I'm going to make sure with every ounce and strength of my body, everything, I'm going to just make sure I invest in my kids and make sure that they succeed in everything that I didn't achieve. I'm going to make sure that they achieve and they're banking on their children and that's the investment of their heart and their portfolio for their whole entire life. There are other people that are banking and investing, I mean, God, golly, on wealth and fame and success and Every spare minute, just as this guy on the video here, every spare minute is, is, is built on, on making sure that uh, the, next, the next buck I've got in my bank account and here and I'm going to close the deal and accomplish the, the next achievement that comes along and blah, 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 and I'm banking on that as if nothing else matters. There's so many things that you and I can bank on. There are some people that, that actually are banking on just, just the fact that this life is really all there is. And so what that looks like is my heart portfolio is just totally banking around my enjoyment, right? <laughs> my, my, just what matters to me, my hobbies, whatever it is, just as, as long as I can be as comfortable as I want. The rest of the world, yeah, forget it, it doesn't matter. What's most important for banking in that type of portfolio is you. And again, there's two problems with this type of banking. One, it's transient. It's gone tomorrow. It's temporary. And second, you can lose it all. And that's why Jesus says here, watch your heart. Where's your heart? Make sure your heart isn't invested in the wrong things. What's the portfolio? Because if you invest all your time and your resources and your emotions and your energy into all these things, if that investment crashes, your heart crashes. So watch your investment. The underlying principle here is that God is saying, I care about your heart. I care about your affection and your emotions and, and, and where your discipline is. Don't put those in the wrong thing. You weren't designed to invest in those things because when that crashes, you're toast. Proverbs chapter four says it this way. Guard your heart. That's another way to say this principle. Guard your heart. Don't, don't put your heart into things that are, aren't gonna last, that are gonna destroy you, that are gonna end up feeling just these, these loose investments where you're just gonna end up at the end of the day feeling, feeling empty. There's nothing for you in that. Nothing for you. You weren't designed for that. You weren't designed for just earthly investments. Your life was designed for something far greater. Here's the third principle that we find in Matthew chapter 6. He says, first, watch out for transient investments. Check out the, part or the heart portfolio that you have. What are you investing in? Is your heart protected? Is it guarded? And then he goes back to verse 22 here. Look at this here. And if you want to write down just a third little key phrase, you can write down, don't be divided. Third investment strategy, don't diversify your spiritual investment. Here's what he says in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is is the lamp of the body. i got to explain just really briefly what, what, what he's talking about here, what's going on. In those days, when they walked in the darkness, they would carry a lantern, right? Not one of these great halogen flashlights that are just like laser-focused. They would carry a lantern. 
And sometimes they would even put these lanterns out on sticks and, and so that you could see farther. And wherever the light went is where your eyes went. And wherever your eyes went, that's where your body went, right? And so he says the eyes are the light. They actually allow what's on the outside, your, your values, everything, wherever you're going to get into your body, that's where the light goes, that's where you're going to walk. So Jesus is saying, men and women, watch out. Your eyes, the things that you are looking at, the things that you are gazing upon, they're the lantern of your entire life. So whatever you gaze upon, whatever you, whatever you focus upon, that's where your life is going to go. That's where your life is directed. And as the body follows the light in the darkness, that's where your heart starts to follow. So he says, watch out. The eyes are the light, the lamp of the body. Verse 22. We'll keep reading here. And if your eyes are good... And that little word in the Greek there means wholesome. If your eyes are wholesome, then your whole body will be full of light. So if your eyes are focused on the right things, if they're focused on wholesome and good things, if you're investing in those type of things, then it ends up impacting the rest of your life. Because your body will then be full of life. You take it in. Verse 23. He kind of flips it over here. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here's what he's saying. That if you invest in these types of things that are dark, if you you are not guarding your heart, if you are diversifying your, 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 uh, your investment and, and you're just following what's just right in front of you and, and, and you're taking in the darkness rather than the light, if that's what you're doing, those things will capture your life and they'll start to direct your life. Be careful then. Because it starts to find who you are. So whatever you gaze at, whatever you seek after, whatever you work for, whatever you start to live for will affect your life's investment. He fleshes this out even farther in verse 24. He says this, No one then can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Don't diversify your investment with God. Now, now in this world, we want to diversify, right? That kind of protects you. But he's saying spiritually, don't do that. Focus Have laser focus. Make sure your eyes are are focused on this thing. And don't serve two masters at once. Basically what Jesus is saying here is you can't do it. You won't be capable of it. It can't happen if you serve two masters. Be singular in your focus. All right, so I'm looking out, and there there are several of you in here that wear glasses, right? And uh, just be bold and honest, because I'm going to join you on this. How many of you in here should wear glasses but refuse to? Yeah, that's totally me. That's totally me. And, and, and I know I need to wear glasses because I'm nearsighted or farsighted. I don't know. Whenever I can see close, that means I'm farsighted, nearsighted. I'm nearsighted to you and you're farsighted to me, whatever. And you might have an astigmatism, right? But whatever. You know what happens in the eye like that? The light passes in and if the lens is messed up, either it's you know, too, too bent or too flat or too whatever or not there at all, whatever, and the light passes in, the light diversifies, doesn't it? It breaks up into a lot of different points and it hits the, the back of, of the retina and what happens? You get a blurry, blurry picture. It's not in focus. But if your eye is healthy and if the lens is good and everything's fine, it, it, the light passes in there, right? And, it, and one point on the back of the retina, it all focuses together and you have this clear picture clear vision of what you're looking at. 
That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, what are you focusing on? You can't focus on many things in your life. You need to invest on the things that are important. You, just, you can't serve too many masters. You can't do it. Because if you do, Jesus says, your life will be in conflict. Don't attempt it. You weren't designed for that. You can't do it. And when it comes to building up the treasures of your life, be careful. Don't invest in the things that destroys your heart and produces this darkness. Guard your heart. Have singular focus. Don't serve multiple masters. Don't allow your investment to be divided. Here's what he goes on in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, though. As we come into this, uh, this last investment strategy, it's number four that he gives here. Verse 20, But store up, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's his last investment strategy that he says here. He says, invest in the eternal. Don't invest in the transient, the things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Don't, don't invest in, 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 in the things that cause you to be diversified, that divide your heart. You can't do it. You weren't made for it. Make sure that you examine your heart portfolio. And then Jesus points out here, he says, and the investment that matters, the investment where you get the best bang for your buck is all eternal. And so if you don't have room on your notes, you can just write down that one word. It's all eternal. It's everything outside of this world when, when it's all said and done. So if, if I'm not going to invest my time and my energy and my life and, and my reputation and my health and my wealth and all of these things here on earth that can be destroyed or that can be depreciated or, or depleted or whatever. Where do I invest? And Jesus says, you invest in the bank of eternity. You bank it all in the eternal spiritual realm. That's the wisest investment that you can make with your entire life and your heart. That's it, hands down. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Here's how you do this. Look at First Timothy chapter 6. We get two really great points out of this chapter on how, the how to do these investing, starting in verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope, here it is, we just talked about this, to put their hope in wealth, to treasure up things in this world, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in, say it with me, to put their hope in what? In God. Be careful. Don't put your hope in the things of this world. Don't invest there. Don't store it up there. But rather, store up your treasures, your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18. Here's the second portion of the how-to. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I love the way that ends there. That they may grab hold of the life that isn't just okay. The life that isn't just, oh, this is kind of mediocre. The life that is truly, truly life. What's he say? It starts with putting your hope in God, putting your hope in God, and then storing up your treasures eternally. And he says, by doing good deeds and generous and willing to serve. But putting your hope, which means my heart is in God's heart. 
which means I have a relationship with God, which means it's him and me. Do you, do you remember the whole series we just got done doing, which is the Everything You Need series? Remember that? That's the whole thing that we, week after week after week, we're saying it's, it's, it's Christ in me. It's me in Christ. It's us together. That's the hope that I don't put my hope in, in Andy Marshall. Oh my goodness, that's so <laughs> short-lived. I don't put my hope in Toyota Corolla hatchbacks. I don't even own that car anymore. I don't put my hope in my wealth or, or my business or the things of this world because they fall down, they crash down where moths and thieves and rust destroy. But I put my hope in Christ, which I hope you hear from us all the time, which means then we embark on this spiritual, personal adventure with God which means I drink full of his grace. I I receive his forgiveness. That his agenda becomes my agenda. His strength becomes my strength. His heart, my heart. And my hope becomes everything of who he is. I place my hope in him, Timothy says here. And then that compels me. Out of that hope, out of that connection with God, it compels me to want to do good deeds, to want to serve, to be willing to make the investment for eternity. There's this great little game that we play with God, and you may not even know you're playing this with God, but it's this game where God blesses my life, he blesses me, and in return, then I start to bless those around me. And as I bless those around me, God starts blessing me more, right? And as he blesses me more, guess what I want to do? You know the game. I want to bless people more around me. And when I bless people more around me, God doesn't want to be topped by that. So he comes back and he blesses me more. And the more he blesses me, guess what I do? I bless more people around me. And it goes on and on and on. My hope is in God. My relationship is in God. As he pours into me, I then begin to pour out to other people. That's exactly what Jesus was saying. He said, I just, I kind of do what my father wants me to do. That's who I am. I love my father. I do what my father says. And that's what I do. And if you're going to be my disciple, Jesus says, then if you claim to love God, then you do what I do. And you start pouring your resources. You start pouring your time, your energy, your life, whatever it is, your investment, into what matters to God. If I claim to love God, then I've got to love what he loves. If I claim to be in relationship with God, then I have to value what he values. 1 John 3, 16-18 says this, this is how we know what love is then. This is it. This is how love is right here. This is what we know the investment is. That Jesus Christ laid down his life for you, for me. Here's the compelling, the compelling piece. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has uh, material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, then how can the love of God be in him? Do you see it short-circuited there? Verse 18, but dear children, let us not love with words or tongues, but with actions and in truth. Here's the bottom line here. (laughs) This type of love requires, this type of investing requires that I have to do something. There's action involved in that. When my life is blessed by God and I'm a recipient of that, and it flows out to other people, it's an action. I have to do something. I have to respond to that. So Jesus is saying here, if you want to respond, if you want to lay up your treasure in heaven, then you do what I do. What I, what I love, you love. What's important to me, you value. What you see me about doing, what, what I'm doing with my gender, you do. 
And so here's the last question that we're going to answer as we bring down our time here. We've talked about these four investment strategies and Jesus telling us how to lay up treasures. But here's how you know that you're actually investing is that you start to love the way God loves. You start looking through the portfolio of God and you say, okay, God, what's really important to you? Who is it that you actually love? What is it that's actually on your heart? Because if those are the things on your heart, then I'm going to do those things. And if I do those things, then the Bible says you're going to store up your treasures in heaven. Not here. You're going to store it up. So the question is then, who does God love? (laughs) What's a part of his portfolio? Scripture is really clear about that. Here's the first one. God dearly loves those who are hurting. We talked about it two weeks ago. Ryan and Christian uh, brought us a message on, on, um, if you want to change your world, you start by helping the world, right? You start by serving the world. But I think the truth is, is that a lot of us go through life with our blinders on, don't we? You've seen pictures of the farmers who have the, the blinders on the horses so they don't get distracted by what's off to the side of the road. These blinders keep them from seeing all, all the things that they shouldn't be seeing and just looking right here. I think it, it works well for horses, but I don't think it works well for children of God. We end up just looking straight here at, at our own lives without understanding the people in the world around us that are, help, are, are hurting. Who does God love? He loves those who are hurting all throughout the scripture chock full of these people that, 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 that God says, my heart breaks for these type of people. You want to store up treasure in heaven? You start loving the, the people that are hurting. Love who I love. Isaiah 58, he loves the hungry and the homeless. James 1, he loves the orphan and the widow. Hebrews 13, he loves the prisoner. He says, love the prisoners, those who are in jail. Deuteronomy 10, he loves the, the foreigner, the immigrant. Ezekiel 34, he loves the sick and afflicted. John 3, 1 John 3, we just read anyone who is hurting or in need. He goes, I love those people. And if I love those people, you want to make an investment? You love those people. You want to get traction in this area? Then the challenge is, and I actually, I'm talking to myself on this. I got to become aware. I got to start ripping the blinders off of my eyes and allow my heart to become broken in the areas where God's heart is broken. And when I see that showing up in my life, that's building up your treasure in heaven. Not just taking pity, but actually moving to truth and in action, as the scripture says, that I start to love those around me. Who does God love? The hurting. That's a major investment point for you and for me. Here's the second thing that he says in the scripture. Not only does he love the the hurting, but he loves his own kids. This is not going to be a shock to you, but if you don't actually love my kids, we're probably not going to hang out very often. (laughs) Really, it's just true. Have you had that experience? Where you you meet somebody and you can just tell they just really don't care for your kids? What what happens in your heart? We're just not going to go very far here. You know, you might be great at Frisbee or golf or whatever we're doing, but we're, we're just not going to probably hang out if you don't love my kids. You want to make an investment. You love who God loves. And the Bible, all throughout, the Bible is so clear that God is in love with his children. Who are his children? Who are his kids? You are. K2, the church, are his kids. You are. If you're sitting here, you are, if, you, if you are a son and a daughter in a relationship with God, then that's you. And since God deeply loves his children, then we are commanded to love his children. So look up and down the rows next to you. These are the people that we are commanded to love. 
In in John chapter 13, we're going to pick it up in verse 34. Jesus says this, a new command I give you. By the way, this is not necessarily a new command because it was also in the Old Testament that we should love one another. But what Jesus is saying here is a new command, a new addition to just loving each other. Here's the new addition. Love one another as, and this is different, as I have loved you. You were commanded to love, but now it's different. This is new. Love because you've been loved, so you must love one another. Verse 35. And by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another, if, if, the, if we begin to love one another and love God's children and love each other in the rows here and in the church in K2 and the body of Christ in the church today, if we do that, the world, the, the, the payment, the, uh, the payoff actually is the world becomes rocked by the knowledge of who God is because they see us doing it. That's major investment for the future. That's major laying up of treasure in heaven when you and I start to love those who are hurting. When we start to love those who God's love, which includes his church, his body, his people. And what that means is that you and I begin to encourage one another. I'm going to actually do this. Would you just look around this room? I know it's kind of weird, but would you just don't look at me for a second. Just look around this room. Just kind of look around who's sitting with you. It's weird, I know. You make an eye contact, you're laughing, you're like, this is weird, what's he up to? Right, look around. Did your eyes meet somebody that you need to encourage that you may not even know? Because loving the body means you start to invest in the body. Did your eyes meet somebody who, who, who you just love that you can specifically serve this week? Maybe even be, begin to pray for Maybe begin to just engage a little bit. And again, it's not pity. It's just not, oh, I hope, hope you help. Or, yeah, if you have a need, call me. Otherwise, you know. Mm. <laughs> That's not investing. When you love who God loves, you start investing in the body. Are you doing that? Are you investing here at K2 in the body? Because if you do that, you are building up treasures in heaven. That investment lasts forever. You love who he loves. You love the hurting. You love the sick, the afflicted. You love his children. And finally, John 3.16 shows the third type of person that he loves. I think we've almost hit every single category with these three in scripture here. It's a very famous verse to you. You can probably even recite it in your head as I read it from the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Who does God love? He loves the hurting. God loves his children. If you look at this passage here, God loves the lost. God loves the world. So much so that he is willing to invest the life of his son for that treasure. Later on in John chapter 20, Jesus says this though. It's really cool. He responds to this verse. In verse 21, he says this to you. Peace be with you because as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Do you hear hear the the underlying command there? Because I've been sent to love the world and to love the lost and to love the people who have yet to know me. Because that's important to me. Because that's what God is investing in. If you are my disciple, if you follow me, I send you. What's important to you? 
What's the investment? You start loving the lost. You love the people around you. You love the world, you, your neighbors, your, your workplaces, this country, this, this street right here, the people in this church. You start loving the people that Jesus loves and you start storing up the treasures because as he loves, you love. As you are blessed by him, you begin to bless others. It requires you to, to move into action when you start falling in love with the Father. That is phenomenal investment strategy right there. Makes me not miss my Corolla as much. <laughs> as we close today, I have this, this one last kind of fleeting questions here that I'd really like you to grapple with personally. If it's true that our time is very short here, and knowing that it is, and knowing that, that you only have this, this, this finite amount of, of time and resources in your life. If that is true, then you need to answer the question, then how am I going to invest that today? What is the greatest investment that I can make in that today? Another way to ask the same question is how, then with the resources and the time that you have, will you join God in changing the world? your neighborhood, your work, your marriage, your family, the lives of your children, this country in which you live, this body in which you worship. How will you use your time and your resources with these investment strategies to change the world? I shared with the Red Building, if you were over there two weeks ago as we were talking about prayer, I shared that Beth and I began praying that five years, well, about five years before K2 was around. We kind of been, started asking the question, God, how would you use us to change the world? What do you want us to do? We have no idea. What does it look like? Where would you have us to go? What kind of decisions do you want us to make? How do you want us to sacrifice? And we just began praying, and I had no idea, I had no idea how dangerous that prayer was, how painful that prayer would be, how incredibly crazy that prayer would be. In five years, almost to the time that we started praying, to the time that we received the answer, we ran into a bunch of weird, wacky, crazy, lovable, amazing folks that wanted to plant a church called K2. I had no idea how much this would change and impact our lives. And it has been the greatest experience to this date that we have ever had. To simply ask the question, God, how do you want me to invest my time and my resources in my life? You tell me. How do you want me to do it? God, I only have so much time. I only have so much emotion. I only have so much energy. I, only, I just want to focus, laser focus on you. What do you want me to do? What, is you, what are you calling my heart to do? The scripture says, if you love God, then you will cry that. You will want to do and invest in the hurting and the, his children and the loss and the things that he loves you will begin to love. God, what is that? And that's the question I leave you with today. What is that for you? Because when you find that out, when you start to invest in the area where your heart is breaking, that God is breaking in your life and in your world, you will change the world. It only takes one person surrender to God's will to change the world. What are you investing in? We're going to spend the rest of our time just about five minutes here, and I want to share with you an amazing investment. (laughs) And here's the thing. 
If your broker called you and he said, I have got the best investment that you will ever make, would you, would you listen? Oh, yeah. In fact, I'd want his name and number. But then you would probably listen, right? You would take copious notes. If he said the, the return on this investment would be off the charts, you've got to listen to this. Your ears would start to perk up, wouldn't they? About two years ago, God started to, to lay out this next investment to us in the South Campus. He began to break our hearts. I remember the time and the place where I was sitting when, when I began to feel this breaking, this, this brokenness to follow God, follow God in this calling. And it's been two years of just incredible hard work. And do you know how many days we are away? I said in the beginning, anyone catch that? 30 what? 35. 35 days from this happening. I have to tell you, I feel like electric all over. I'm serious. Like right in the middle of of sitting and watching what God is doing. I'm like, bring it! Yeah, bring it! I'm just like right on the cusp. It's like I'm standing right on the edge. I'm like, this is amazing. Because I remember the first time when we said yes to God for K2 five years ago. I remember the exhilaration. And everything in my heart goes, oh, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. God, be God. Do what you want. We're standing here right on the edge today. And I want to submit to you today that many of you will jump on that investment and you'll go for it. And I need to tell you that so many of you are needed. That this body, this K2 body needs you. There are things that you bring. We're going to be talking about this next week and the week to come. The things that you bring that no one else specifically brings to this adventure and this this crazy, uh, wild, wild adventure, this next chapter that we're going to go on. And I want to invite you, if you've been sitting kind of on the edge and thinking about this investment, do I, do I go south? Do I stay north? I don't know what to do. I've talked to several people this week going, I don't know, I don't know, tell me more. I want to invite you to jump. Because the reality is 35 days, South Campus opens up. Do you know what the, the actual number, though, is? Seven. Raise your hand if you're going south. Raise it high, let me see. If you're raising your hand, next Sunday, you will be at South, which is phenomenal. This is all unscripted. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I'm just like so excited. (laughs) Next Sunday, South Campus unofficially starts going. And many of you, you're sitting here for the first time. I just saw some of you go, what? What? For some of you, this might be one of your last times sitting in this room. The adventure is beginning. The investment is off the chart. The return is amazing. In the time that we have left, I just want to fill you in on some of the exciting facts that are happening in the South Campus, kind of give you a big picture of what's going on. And grab your yellow sheet there and um, kind of follow along. And this is, There's so much going on. We wanted to take just a few moments as Jesus says, just as I have been sent, I send you. For many of you that are going out this next week and joining us, it's going to be an amazing ride. And these are going to be some of the things that you need to know. So check it out here, August 21st, 1st, 29th, sorry, I'm not reading it right. The 29th, we're going to actually do a North Campus picnic. Because some of you that didn't raise your hand, you're committed here and you're staying here. And just as South is starting, there are new things that are starting here. It's like a whole entire uh, campus, campus launch. And so there's going to be another picnic to gather in the North team. And, uh, and understand what God is doing right here 
in these two warehouses. And so make sure you see that and get that to your calendar. August 30th, that's next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to be going down south, the whole entire launch team down south, and we're going to have our first practice service. And really what that means is that many of you will will come for the first time, and you're going to see these trailers being unloaded. And and again, it's a portable church, so we're going to set up and tear down and learn how to do all this stuff, and, and we're going to train you next Sunday. And if you are in the south team, you should have gotten an email that will tell you all the different times. People will show up at different times for that. If you didn't get one, make sure you stop by the info booth and make sure uh, you get your name on the list for that. But our first South practice service at Miller Campus, right down there at 90-something South. What is that? Uh, is that? Alan, do you know? Is that 90, uh, 9400 South, 9200 South, and I-15? 